It's time for the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast presented by Sloan. I'm your host, Ryan Dempster, and today I'm joined by new president of baseball operations for your Chicago Cubs, Jed Hoyer. It'd be great to sit down with Jed, but first, I've got to tell you about Sloan's no-touch hand-washing technology. It's state-of-the-art and second to none, couldn't come at a better time. So we want to thank them for providing that technology to people out there so we can all wash our hands and stay safe. Well, he's been a part of the organization, changed the culture with Theo Epstein, and his good friend stepped down as president, and he stepped right in in a well-deserved honor. So without further ado, let's get to it and go off the mound with Jed Hoyer. My friend, my pal, my colleague, how are you, buddy? Demp, I'm great, man. How you doing? I, I'm good, yeah. it's uh, It's been a weird off-season for sure. Uh, um, How does it feel now when you have that title? President of Baseball Operations, so well-deserved. Congratulations. Uh, does it feel any different? Yeah, you know, I come into an office that's virtually empty every day. You know, we have three or four people that come in, but, you know, we're still staying away. And um, I still haven't moved Theo's stuff out of the office next door, so I'm still in my same office. So on a day-to-day -day basis, it feels the same, but I'm excited. You know, one of the best parts of this uh, opportunity is that we have a great staff and I think with that um, you know having this transition build some continuity so um, on a day-to-day -day basis it feels the same because I'm working with the same people on the same goals um, I think maybe when I switch offices and finally get Theo's guitars and stuff out of there it'll, it'll feel a little bit more uh, more more like a uh, promotion I was curious is this your first president of anything like, I've never been the president of of anything so um, you know, like the president of the of a club at school, or you know, anything at, at, at off the, off the field, away from the field. I I don't think so. I think I lost every fifth and sixth grade election. So I think that <laughs> this is uh, this is my first time with this title. It's kind of wild. And I'll be honest, um, I've messed it up a thousand times. So it's gonna take me a long time to get used to. Uh, and speaking of offices, if you move, is that so? Who's going to go in there? The new general manager will go in your old, old office. Yeah, they'll come in here. Um, I have to figure out when exactly I'm going to run the search. Um, I am going to go outside the organization uh, to hire a GM. I think finding someone with, with new ideas and uh, that can bring a real different perspective, I think, is very valuable. Um, but I have to figure out the right time to do a proper search. And it's really hard to do a search during during COVID. You know, we talking you know on zoom or on skype or whatever it might be and uh, we don't get a chance to uh to sit down face to face so i want to figure out the right time to do it but i am excited at some point to run that search and to find someone to, to compliment me and compliment the the rest of the really good people we have in the office if you don't find a general manager anytime soon you could always use that office for a special assistant like if they ever need a space to be able to put their stuff that that's always a good viable option too I've got closet space for all your costumes and everything, so we should be good. <laughs> um, your vision as the president of the Cubs, you know, obviously I know you and Theo, I mean, you guys were like Corsican brothers, you know, you, you were intertwined and everything together, but now that he's gone, what is, what is your vision for the club going forward? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And um, I mean, I'm really proud of what we accomplished over the last nine years. Um, you know, I think making the playoffs five of the last six years is really impressive. And um, and whenever you don't make the playoff, whenever you do make the playoffs and you don't win, people are frustrated. But ultimately, that's got to be the goal, right? You take as many shots on on goal as you can, 
And if you can, uh, if you can do that eventually, I think you're going to wind up you know, having parades and, and having wonderful Octobers. And, and that's still the goal is, you know, sustain success um, to, to build a team that can make the playoffs year in, year out. Um, I'm really excited that we've kind of raised expectations here. So that is uh, an expectation, but that's what we want to continue. Um, you know, right now we're at an interesting period in the history of the team. You know, we've made the playoffs five out of six years, but this amazing group that helped us um, to do that is getting towards the end of their, of their service clock with us. And we have a lot of guys that have one more year or two more years of control. And so as that happens, I think we're actively going to try to, to win at the big league level, but we're also going to have to be mindful of what the future looks like. So uh, there's a balance there that we always have to strike. Um, but the goals haven't changed. The goals have to be to run an amazing organization that, you know, is, is cutting edge with everything that we do and, um, and to, you know, scout and develop and have the best technology and to ultimately build an organization that is able to produce a, a playoff caliber team every single year. And I think like for me, you know, watching you guys and learning what goes on, you know, on this side of it, on the, on the baseball ops side of it versus in between the white lines, that's what I knew, you know, I was just marveled at how hard you guys work, the diligence you guys put in, you know, it never stops. It's 24, seven, 365. How do we make the team better? Um, and you, and you alluded to it when you were answering that question was about the expectations. How amazing has it been to see that change? Because, you know, if you would have said 10 years ago to every Cub fan out there, hey, listen, if you sign this petition, we're going to win the World Series. But the side effect is, is that we're only going to win a few division titles after that. We're going to make it to the NLCS. We're going to go to the playoffs every year, but one year. Will you sign this? There would be a line down Clark Street to downtown for every fan to sign that. And, and now the expectation has changed and everybody wants winning. How excited are you to have that energy around Wrigley Field? Yeah, you know, Theo and I talked about that a ton, actually. That's one of the things we're most proud of, is that this was the lovable yeah. losers. Uh, this is a group that, you know, people could recite the playoff teams like their kids' birthdays, you know, 84 and 89 and, and 98 and 03. And you can't do that anymore because it's every year. And I think that's what we're most proud of, is that we've gotten past that, you know, make the playoffs every 10 or 12 years or so and be excited about it. And now it's, it's expected, and that's wonderful. Uh, I think you want those high expectations. And, um, and uh, you know, I think that, you know, the Ricketts family is a huge part of that with, you know, we've had significant resources. And I, and I also think that the fan base being patient with us while we um, executed a plan that was painful. We lost, you know, 101 games and 96 games and had some lean seasons to build this. And so the fans were patient. Um, the Ricketts supported it. And um, I think as a result, we were able to, to run a plan and a process that, ended up, you know, uh, changing those expectations. Um, and you go through that process, that plan, like you said, eventually players get to points where, um, you know, there are years closer to free agency. Um, you know, you try to sign guys and maybe they, that doesn't work out. So then you have to explore different options. Um, we just had the winter meetings recently. So much different. What was that like? Because when you don't have like the person to person contact and you're doing it over Zoom and you can't get that personal attention, hey, come to the suite, we're going to have a conversation. You know, how much different were the winter meetings than any other year you've ever seen? Yeah, it was really hard. I mean, even, you know, you know, all joking aside, like, you know, we always love like up in our up in our suite during games. It's a constant conversation about baseball, you know, whether it's. You know, you popping up there in the past, David Ross would come up there. We'd have our, our office staff and 
there's so much um, good ideas and good energy up there talking about baseball, talking about ideas and our future and, and all those things and watching minor league games. And, and I missed that so much during the course of, of this year. And I really also missed a ton, the interaction with the players. Now, this is by far the year that I had the least contact with the players of any year of my career, you know, that we, we tried to stay away as much as we, as we could. We were in tier two, the, the players are in tier one. And so now we were only tested every four days. They were tested every two days. And the last thing we wanted to do is put anyone at risk. And so um, we talked to, to Rossi every day, multiple times, but we really didn't get that same player interaction. And, and that's part of what we love about the job. And I think part of running uh, an organization is to know your players and to care about them as people. Um, and it was just much harder to do that this year without being able to, to go down there and chat or watch batting practice or just, um, you know, catch up casually in the lunchroom uh, prior to, to a workout or something like that. So um, I'm excited to get back to that because it really did take away something that I think we all really enjoy about the game. Well, you know, this year was definitely crazy. It was nuts. Um, you know, obviously the weirdest year that uh, a lot of us have ever seen. But uh, Jed, we've talked about it a little bit, but Theo, um, you guys are such great friends. Uh, he leaves. And now it's your job to create your own identity and you're going to do a great job at it. You've been in this business forever. Um, what are the things that you're going to take away from what he taught you as you go about you know, kind of leading your way along uh, the baseball path here as the president of baseball operations? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, um, you know, it's funny. Theo and I go back so far. You know, I, I, you know, I was there the night he got the job um, in Boston. He was 28 years old and we're jumping around and uh, all excited as 28 year olds. And so I've really watched him grow up and mature in the job. And, and I, I think I take a lot from that because you realize that people are, are, ever changing and evolving and they're not static. And I think that I've watched how he's grown. And I, I, I think they, I, I think I'll do the same thing in this role that, you know, you're not going to always have the same management style, same leadership style. You'll have to adapt based on what moments you're in as an organization. But ultimately um, it's been, like I said, a lot of fun and, and really gratifying to watch how he's, he's evolved. I think for me, um, the work ethic is number one. Um, you can't lead an organization and you can't um, you can't expect people to follow you unless you're, you're willing to be in the trenches all the time and, and really, you know, you know, work your butt off and, and show that um, this is your, your main priority. And, and I think that, like, you know, Theo and I have always worked incredibly hard. We've always been in the office all the time. And but, yeah, you have to be willing to, to work incredibly hard. And Theo was that um, I think Theo was brilliant at, at getting along with everyone in different parts of the organization. And so his ability to, to go down and, and talk to the manager, talk to the players, you know, talk to scouts, talk to coaches, um, talk to owners. I think that that's a big part of this role is being able to um, communicate and identify with each, each group of this organization. You know, people focus so much on the, the tip of the iceberg of this job, which is the, the, the major league players, like they're the talent, right. But, there's so yep. many other people that, that that go into making a great organization, and to to be effective at this job, you have to think about every aspect of the organization, not just you know what you see on the field. That's the most important part, obviously. That's why people pay money to come watch us play. But there's so many things that lead into to that product, and I think I think Theo was amazing at that. Um, I mean, I'll miss him. I, I said that in my press conference. You know, we've been together for so long. I'll miss him. Um, 
but at the same time, um, you know, I, 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 was, I felt like I was ready for this job 10 years ago in San Diego. Um, I came to, to Chicago with Theo because, you know, we always talked about, you know, breaking a second curse and, uh, and joining forces and doing that together. And um, I stayed here because I loved Chicago. I love the city. I love this organization. And uh, I'm excited that um, for Theo's next chapter, and I'm excited for to slide into that role and, uh, you know, to keep things going and, and to, uh, to can really continue to do, to do great things here on the, uh, the North side. Yeah, and and you will do that. I, I not a question in my mind. Just watching how hard you work and every everything you put into the job, it's uh, it's quite understandable why you'd be the next guy in line because you deserve every minute of it. So super happy for you and happy to take over for him. Can't wait to see. We we should throw some sort of party in his office afterwards, just just for fun, you know, like and not invite him. Like just it won't be the first. Spray paint the walls, whatever we want to do. <laughs> yeah, it won't be the it, um, it won't be the first party in that office. That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, other guys in charge, speaking of guys in charge, um, David Ross, his first year as manager, um, you know, when Joe uh, went his, his separate ways and went to Anaheim and that job became available for David to, to take over as manager. Um, can you talk about like the job he did? Incredible job this year of, of managing, especially given all the circumstances with, uh, with COVID. Amazing. I think he, he had a spectacular first year. Um, I think we've always known that this is what he's meant to do. He's born to do. He's a leader of people. Um, people gravitate towards him. Uh, tremendous presence um, and, and really an amazing ability to be a friend, but also hold people accountable. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I thought, you know, given the challenges that were in front of him in the first year, like having to deal with all the COVID protocols, having to do, deal with, with two spring trainings, um, having to deal with expectations, I thought he was he was perfect in that role. And um, you know, one of my favorite things about him is I thought he was so brilliant this year. After so many games, he come in and, and he would be self-critical, like I, I'll I'll get better at this. I'll do that better. I know I'll I'll see that in the future. I think that's what all like you know great leaders are all about. Like, I think that you know part of being a great leader is knowing you're you're constantly learning, having that intellectual curiosity to get better. And Rossi has that, you know, he's been working all winter with the R&D team uh, to continue to further his growth. And and I think that's what ultimately is going to make him one of the best managers in the game is that he has that desire to keep getting better. He doesn't think he knows it all. And he's not ashamed to admit that he doesn't know it all. So um, it's such an appealing part of this job, knowing that we, we have um, an excellent manager now and a manager that I think will just continue to grow and get better and better. It's a hard thing to find and, and we have one. So I think that that's fantastic. I thought it would have been great if after the manager of the year awards came out and he didn't win it, you should have called him and been like, Hey, listen, uh, you know, we really appreciate everything, but we only, you know, we, we like guys who win manager of the year. So we're going to go in a different, direct, different direction. We think you're good for so 60 games, but not really one sixty-two. So, <laughs> Um, you know, talking about like speaking about underperforming, not that he underperformed in any way whatsoever, but some of the guys on the team last year um, didn't have years that a that most importantly, they would consider acceptable, um, you know, and, and we wouldn't. Right. Because we're used to something out of them. How much do you think not having fans affected certain guys on the team because they feed off of that energy and especially at a ballpark like Wrigley Field? It's a good question. I mean, I don't know if you came in any of the games and sat there. It was really weird. I mean, it's a weird environment. Yeah. I think when you're used to when you're used to playing in front of that many fans at Wrigley, 
I mean, we really struggled offensively at Wrigley, and it does make you wonder a little bit of why we struggled so badly. But, you know, I, we played 60 games, and 60 games is usually the number we play on, like, you know, June 10th or so. And no one looks at the stats on June 10th and says, this is all that meaningful. You're like, oh, you're off to a good start. There's plenty of time left. And I just think that, you know, that was all we had. We had 60 games and our guys happened to struggle in 60 games. I also think that on top of just being, you know, until June 10th or so, normally I think a lot of guys started to, to really become concerned about their numbers about halfway through the season because they realized that they only had, you know, 20, 25, 30 games left. Yeah. Um, to, to have a good year. And so I think there was a panic that kind of set in when guys realized like the back of their baseball card 2020 was not going to be what they expect. And so I thought last year was a really hard mental year for that reason. And I also think it was just a really short sample. And so I think we have to do a, a good job of remembering that what we just saw, it was real, but it also was very short. And, you know, we can't talk about small samples and talk about not reading too much into small samples on one hand and then on the other hand overvalue what we just saw in 2020 and i think this is something we have to remember every single day it was a very unusual season i and speaking of that too like so now you have these teams that are knowing that there's possible i don't even know what the right word is transition mode or you know turnover or retooling whatever it is or now these teams are like, you know, sharks in the water, and they're like, well, we want this player, but he didn't have a good year in 2020. It's like, cool, but he's still an all-star. He's still an MVP. He's still a really great player. How do you navigate that with other teams and, and, and dealing with that? Yeah, I mean, I think we have to rem- – we, we know what those players are. We've watched these guys since they were um, in the minor leagues and, you know, in, in the draft. And, you know, I think that we've seen them perform over years. And I think with, with all of the guys that we had that struggled, you know, they've had 60 games, you know, uh, sections of their, of their seasons where they struggled like this, but they also had more time to, to make up for it. So um, I think that's just going to be the nature of, of, um, of 2021. I think there will be players that had down years last year that bounce back and people are going to be surprised that they bounce back or they're going to call it a bounce back season. And in reality, they're not going to give enough weight to the fact that 2020 wasn't um, a representative uh, amount of innings or plate appearances. So I just think we have to remember that what we saw was a, was a season, um, but it wasn't a normal season. There's a reason we play all summer long because there's a lot of luck involved in baseball. There's a lot of ups and downs and we play for six months for a reason. We play every day for a reason. And we, we didn't do that. We can't just forget that. Um, that reason that we play every day is because a small sample doesn't really work in baseball. Yeah. Well, whatever happens, I know you're going to, you know, do all the hard work that needs to be done to continue to make the Cubs a success like they are. Um, thanks so much for stopping by off the mound. Best of uh, everything this holiday season to you and Merrill and the, and the kids. I know uh, this time of year when you have little kids, it's crazy. They're, they're running on sugar and, and the adrenaline of, uh, of the big guy coming. So, um, you know, best of luck. Thanks, thanks for coming by Off the Mound, Jake. Could, couldn't say thanks enough. Damn, but I enjoyed it. I'll talk to you soon. Have a great Christmas. Well, as you can see, folks, the Cubs, they're in good hands with that man right there. So great to catch up with Jed Hoyer. To hear more conversations like the one you just heard, please download and subscribe to the Off the Mound with Ryan Dempster podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's all presented by our good friends at Sloan. On behalf of everyone here at Off the Mound, Have a very happy holiday season.